Amen. Well, good morning, City Light. How y'all doing? Uh, welcome to City Light Church Online. All right, thank you for joining us today. A special shout out to those of you who may be joining us for the very first time. Or maybe even coming to church for the very first time. Maybe somebody invited you. And I'm just so excited that you are here with us. And I know that God has a word for you today. And I've been praying that you would be blessed by taking some time out of your schedule and spending it with us this morning. Uh, just an FYI, this awesome swag that I have on right now is from our internship, which just started last week. So we have several interns that are here with us. Normally you would see them around a lot more because everybody would be around. Uh, but I hope you get to meet them and see them. God's going to use them greatly this summer. So I just want you to know that you can be praying for them, that the Lord will work in and through their life. A couple other things real quick is uh, our next Wednesday Mark's Pub service is now switched from Mark's Pub to the church. So in light of Virginia, Northern Virginia reopening, some things changing with that. Uh, there's been a shift in strategy with all that. Uh, and so it's been an amazing relationship with them. They have been so good to work with us. If you're getting food out or whatever, grab it from Mark's Pub over the next few weeks. But just as an FYI, everything stays the same, how you sign up, what you do, all that stuff. Come deliver stuff with us. Uh, you just got to show up here and drive through our driveway at church, okay, instead of at Mark's Pub. So come do that. Let's continue to be the light of the world that way. I also want to remind many of you to take the survey if you haven't yet. It got emailed in your newsletter. Check your junk, or, junk email or somewhere. Uh, we'd love to just know how you're doing in the midst of COVID. We'd love to follow up with you and bless you and take care of you. And so if you could fill that out, that would help us take care of you better. And so we'd love for you to do that. So today we are in part two of take off your mask, all right? So turn to your neighbor and say, take off your mask. Take off your mask. I have a few neighbors over here. Take off your mask. Look at your kids, say, take off that Ninja Turtle mask, you know, whatever. Take off your mask. Last week we talked about the mask that we put on to protect and project our identity, our image to those around us. Right, we learned how burdensome it is to struggle with trying to create an identity so that we can be accepted in society. And now the pandemic has made that so much worse and a lot of us are struggling from an identity crisis. And then the message of the gospel comes along and speaks life over that. We learned last week that Jesus, only Jesus, will receive you as you are. Take that mask off. He'll receive you as you are. And only Jesus has the power to make you something new. That a real identity is received from God, not achieved by yourself. And so I hope you got a chance to listen to that. If not, check our podcast, YouTube. I think it's so important. Today, at part two of Take Off Your Mask, I want to narrow the discussion a little bit and talk about the mask that we wear to try to be good enough. Those are our two words today is good enough. So think about it this week, this way. Last week... We talked about the identity crisis and putting on a mask to project an image to the world. And the question behind that is, who am I? That's the question you and I are asking all the time. Who am I? So to answer that question, we find our identity in a job or in a social status or in school or in the things that we do or in our appearance to answer the question, who am I? When all the while the real answer to that question is, I'm created by God. I am a child of God through faith in God. I am made to know God, that's who I am. The question this week that's behind, not only is there an identity crisis last week, but now there's a value crisis. It's not just who am I, but the question now is, am I good enough? 
And we're all trying to answer that question every day. We wear a mask so that we can answer the first question, so that we can project our image. We wear a mask to, to prove our worth to answer the second question, am I good enough? And you and I know exactly how this feels to be burdened by the weight of trying to be good enough. Good enough for your boss, good enough for your parents, good enough for that social circle, good enough to be accepted into this school, good enough to be accepted into this reality, good enough to be accepted in our society. Am I good enough for what I want to accomplish in life? Am I simply good enough to be loved and cared for? Am I good enough? And that question, I know, because we all know the human experience crushes us. So not only do we struggle with who am I, and we're scrambling trying to figure that out. And now if we even find that at all, at any level, now it becomes, well, is that good enough? Am I good enough? And this is true, man, this is so helpful because these are the questions of the human race. So no matter where you're listening to this, no matter what culture you're from, no matter what your faith background is, no matter what you believe right now, we are all collectively trying to answer these two questions as humans. Who am I and am I good enough? And what I want to bring to you today is a word from the scriptures, the Bible, to help you understand that Jesus has finally and fully answered both those questions for us. That you don't have to search any more that you can know and you can find the freedom of trusting in God who is perfect because we can never be good enough. So two quick short things for us today, I want you to write these down. The first is this, take off the mask of good enough so you can take in the good grace of Jesus. This is number one, take off the mask of good enough so you can take in the good grace of Jesus. Now I want you to think about it this way, you know how you have to remove your mask to eat that delicious hamburger, or you have to remove your mask to eat that delicious kale salad, you know, whatever floats your boat, whatever kind of food you find delicious, you gotta remove the mask, take it off, so that you can take in something delicious. So I want you to think about that same principle as we say take off to take in. That you have to take off whatever's in the way so that you can take in the very thing that God wants to give you. The thing that's going to actually help you. So that's the first step. So in light of that, I want to show you a scripture in Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, written by Paul. It says this, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. By grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. It's not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So this is just a small little snippet into the biblical worldview of what does it mean to be good enough. But what we realize is we first have to understand and admit that our good enough cannot take us where we wanna go. It cannot, our good enough cannot take us where we wanna go. And that might be, right, salvation, heaven, big picture. For some of you, it might be stuff on this earth when you realize that you're good enough, can't take you where you want to go. Because even if you get where you want to go, it doesn't deliver like you thought it would. It doesn't satisfy like you thought it would. And even if you thought you were good enough, now your experience isn't good enough. Something is going wrong. And for those of you who may try to do good enough, just a reminder, right, in terms of salvation and being accepted by God, is that perfect church attendance is not good enough. 
Feeding the poor is not good enough. Being a nice coworker and a faithful spouse, not good enough. Not murdering people and just avoiding all the really bad things, not good enough. These things are not good enough. They don't save and they certainly don't satisfy. And this experience is true for those who try religion to be good enough and those who simply try to be a good person to be good enough. Either way we go, our experience isn't good enough. It doesn't deliver what we thought. Our good enough can't take us where we want to go. I want to give you a little category in the Bible uh, just to help you understand yourself and all of us. The Bible would call us this. It would say that we are very good but not good enough. Let me give you some categories. Genesis 1.31 says, God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was, say it with me, very good. Very good. It was very good. So throughout the whole first chapter of the Bible, when we learn about God creating everything, he'll create animals, land, stars, and seas. And every time God looks at it, he says, hey, that's good. Those animals, that's good. Man, those stars, that's good. That's cool, you know. And then he makes people... And he looks at everything and he says, man, that's very good. Very good. And you are so special. You are made in the image of God. When God made us, he said, man, that is very good. You have value and worth. You don't have to prove yourself to anybody because of how God has already placed value and worth on you. The human race is very good. But something happened that made us not good enough. In Genesis 3, we see how Adam and Eve disobeyed the command of God. And what we learn from that is that has become perpetual amongst all of us. Every single person born after Adam and Eve disobeys the command of God. And therefore, even though we are very good, made in the image of God, highly valued because of what God has said about us, we are now no longer good enough to be able to enter into his presence or particularly a place called heaven because of our sin that started with Adam and Eve and continues in us. Let me give you a few scriptures on this. Romans 3.10 says, none is righteous, no, not one. Not one. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. This is the reality of our human condition, that though we are very good, our sin has broken us so that we are not good enough to enter in to God's presence. The Bible, though we are very good, now describes us as enemies of God because of our rebellion against him. And what we know is that Jesus sees behind your mask so that no matter what you pretend to be or try to prove, God knows who you really are. So we can't hide. I think this is important to continue to press into. Galatians 2, Paul says it like this. We know that a person is not justified by works of the law or i.e. being good enough, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So also we have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ, not by works of the law, because by works of the law, i.e. trying to be good enough, no one will be justified, i.e. saved or satisfied truly in life. No one will experience their purpose for being designed and created by God. So what happens, what we said, right, is you have to take off to take in. You have to acknowledge, this is what Paul's doing. We know that nobody is justified by their good enough. That nobody has a good enough. 
So then he recognizes that and he says, okay, I'm not going to try to do that anymore. I'm going to turn and I'm going to look to Jesus. So instead of me just trying to get better, to try harder, to do more, to be good enough, he says, well, that will never happen. Therefore, now I look to Jesus and from Jesus I receive my acceptance through what he has done for me. This is a word for so many of you today. It's simply this, to stop trying and start turning. Stop trying to be good enough and start turning to Jesus who is already perfect. Come on, stop trying and start turning. Stop trying to make yourself the best self you can be without being with God. Start turning to God and asking God to change you and make you into who he wants you to be. And most importantly, if this isn't you yet, to save you and to change your life and turn it around. Stop trying and start turning. Let God be good enough for you. I get a picture in my mind when I think about this. So there's this huge hill. I think I've shared about this, this huge hill in my life uh, with my kids. And uh, I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old and an eight-year-old and a one-year-old. But these two, the five-year-old and three-year-old, uh, they try to get on scooters. This feels like straight down, okay? So they're learning how to do scooters, you know, fairly well. We try to get on this hill and we go down and they get so frustrated because it's too fast. But so they can't really handle it themselves. They can't really manage going that fast or trying to control the scooter so it doesn't go that fast. They're not quite at that level, so they get super frustrated. The more they try, the more frustrated they get. But then what happens is in the middle of the frustration, they'll turn and they'll look at me. And they'll say, Daddy, ride, take me for a ride. And what they mean by that is both of them will get on their scooters, they'll sit down. They'll sit on the scooter, they'll put their legs up right above the tires, and then I'll take both of them like this, and I'll just start running down the hill like this. And I'm just running, and now they're just flying with me down the hill. They don't have to do anything. They're having the ride of their life. It's like a roller coaster. I know one day I'm probably going to trip and fall, and that's going to be an absolute disaster, and they're going to be flying down the street with nobody to save them. But hopefully that won't happen. But for now, it's all worked out. They just simply stop trying, and they start turning. And when they turn to me, I can take them places that they could not take themselves. As soon as they stop trying and start turning, they can actually get where they want to go. I, I think that'll preach. You better listen to this right now. I hope this is true in your life. I hope this word is coming right to you, that you, God is telling you, stop trying so hard to be good enough. Start turning to me, and I, Jesus says, can take you to where you want to go. Write this down. Only Jesus can get you where you're good enough can't take you. Namely, to your salvation and your satisfaction. Only Jesus can get you where you're good enough can't take you. Only Jesus. And what's most important place you need to be taken to is to the place of salvation and satisfaction in God. Romans 5, 8 says it like this. God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is how Jesus does that. So in the same way I pick up my boys and I go running down the hill to make it happen, Jesus came down from heaven, he lived a perfect life, a good enough, 
perfect life that was acceptable before God, one we could never live. Then he died on the cross to pay for your and my sins, to pay for the fact that we are not good enough, that because of sin, although we're very good, we are not good enough, that we cannot be acceptable before God because of our sin. He died on the cross to pay for our sin, then he rose from the dead to conquer the grave, and then he simply says, if anybody would turn to me, that person will be saved. And that's the word for so many of you this morning is to simply stop trying to be good enough. Start turning through repentance and faith to Jesus. And he will save you and he will satisfy you. Let me give you a sentence. This will change your life. Therefore, my value is determined by the best of Jesus and not the worst of me. My value, am I good enough, is determined by the best of Jesus and not the worst of me. This is beautiful, okay? The answer to the question, am I good enough, is now I don't have to be. Isn't that fantastic? The answer to the question, am I good enough, is not, hey, think more positive thoughts, read more books, try this, try that, get better, do harder. You can be good enough if you simply switch your perspective, read the right thing, network with the right people, find the right job, find the right spouse. No, 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 now instead of am I good enough, with some sort of other answer is, yo, I don't even have to be. I don't even have to be. I'm completely free from the need to be good enough. I've acknowledged the fact that I am not. And now instead of me trying to be good enough, I turn and Jesus was not only good enough, but he was perfect for me. So now I can be restored through Jesus to my original state of being very good, but also in a relationship with God. For many of you listening now, this is it for you. This is your step. This is your step. This is why somebody texted you that link. This is why somebody bugged you to listen to this sermon. This is why somebody sent this YouTube thing to you so that you could hear that you don't have to be good enough, that Jesus was perfect for you. And that if you would stop trying and start turning, repent from your sins and trust in Jesus, you would be saved. And that can happen now on your couch in front of your telephone, in front of your computer. You don't need a pastor, a priest. You simply need God. And you can talk with him right now. And I encourage you to do that. So take off the mask of good enough so you can take in the good grace of Jesus. The second thing is to take off the mask of religion so that you can take in a meaningful relationship with Jesus. Write that down. Take off the mask of religion so you can take in a meaningful relationship with Jesus. So my concern with some of you that might be more religious, so to speak, is that you are trying to use religion to be good enough. That's your intent with being religious is to try to be good enough. And that's not working for you and neither will it work when you stand before God. He's not going to ask you, were you very religious? That's not going to be the question he'll ask you is, do you know my son Jesus? Are you in a relationship with him? So we need to take off the mask of religion to begin a meaningful, take in a meaningful relationship with Jesus. Here's two quick aspects of what I mean by a meaningful relationship with Jesus. The first is that a meaningful relationship with Jesus is an experience of him. Philippians 3, 7 through 9 says, Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things. I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. 
This is the truth of the scriptures that Jesus is better and a relationship with Jesus is better than any religious accolades or progress. When Paul says, man, all this is worthless, he's talking about all his religious accomplishments, everything that he's done to achieve status in a religious society. He says, man, that stuff is worthless in comparison to a meaningful relationship with Jesus. So that's what I want for me and for you, to trade that out for a meaningful relationship of him and experience with him. Jesus has surpassing worth. Now secondly, the second thing I want you to see quickly here is that a meaningful relationship with Jesus is a partnership with him. It's not only an experience of him, but it's a partnership with him. So in this text today, Ephesians 2, it not only teaches us that our good works don't save us, but also that once we are saved, we are saved for good works. So our good works don't save us, but once we are saved, we are saved for good works. We are saved to join Jesus in a personal salvation with him. We are saved to join Jesus in personal salvation, to join him on his public mission. Okay, write this down. A meaningful relationship with Jesus is not just personal experience, but a public partnership. Okay, so a meaningful relationship with Jesus. What does it mean for you to truly know and be in a relationship with Jesus is not just individual, private, personal experience, but also a public partnership to join him on his public mission to do good works. Now, what are some of those good works? What does he mean by good works? And I think this is where I'm gonna step into a space right now that might make some of you uncomfortable but needs to be said. What kind of good works does Jesus mean that he created us to step into? What does he mean by that? What does that look like? And I think in light of recent events in Minneapolis, in light of the things that happened before that that are similar, in light of the many injustices in that way in the current status of our country, in light of the marginalized people all around us, I think it's good to remember what does Jesus mean when he says, I have made you for good works? What does he mean? Well, he describes what he means. He says in Matthew 23 through 24, he says this. I need you to listen very carefully to me on this. Woe to you, he says, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, get this, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. Get these three words, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. He says, these things you ought to have done without neglecting the others. These things you ought to have done without neglecting the others. And I read that and I just thought, Lord, may you never say that about us. God, may you never say that about the people at City Light. May you never say that about my life, that I was religious with the very basic elements, but I neglected the weightier matters of what it meant to be in a relationship with you. This is so important for us. Write this down. To be in a relationship with Jesus and to truly follow him necessitates that we care about what he cares about. Get this, to the level at which he cares about it. To the level at which he cares about it. So here, let me just package this for you, okay? We planted this church, City Light Church, here just several months ago, last September, and our goal was to bring real hope and real help to all people. Our goal was to be a light in the darkness. Our goal was to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Our goal was to bring about God's kingdom on earth right now. Our goal was to establish community center churches that bring about body and soul ministry, that we care about the soul and we care about the body. We care about the needs spiritually. We care about the needs physically. We care about how people are treated around us. 
This is what we came here to do and to be. And this is why this is so important because Jesus says here, it's a warning to us that there is a way to be religious that involves doing the basic activities like tithing and singing and coming to church while all the while neglecting what's really important. And there's a way to be religious, but in a relationship with Jesus that involves basic activities like tithing, singing, and coming to church. These are good things as well as being people who seek justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Jesus says we can't neglect one and go for the other. To do either is to be unbalanced. So to be a person who only cares about going out in the world and trying to establish justice but doesn't care about God's church and doesn't care about doing things God's way, that's unbalanced. To be someone who comes to church and gives and ties and sings but cares nothing about the injustices in the world around us is to be unbalanced. Jesus says you ought to do both of those things. And this is it, City Light. This is for us. This is a both and. You know, the reason why God makes a church is, and he makes us do the basic activities to come, to sing, to tithe, to take the Lord's Supper, to baptize and do all that here is because that now establishes a physical expression of God's kingdom on earth for people to see. It's something people can taste and touch. And the whole point, what do we say every week? Services are a launching pad, not a landing place. Meaning that we take what's represented here And then we launch you out into the world so that you bring about God's kingdom on earth where you are. So that by your actions and by your words and by us doing that together, we represent God's kingdom on earth everywhere. And we give visible expression to how God thinks, to what God loves, everywhere not just on Sundays and not just together. What we do in here is intended to propel us out there so that the kingdom of God that is visible right now will be visible everywhere else. That's the whole point of why we do the basics of what we gather to do. So therefore, just like Jesus says here, not only do you do the basics, but you don't neglect justice, mercy, faithfulness. So we join Jesus in seeking justice and being merciful, not just in our words, but in our deeds. Okay, now this is a little phrase that, that I was thinking about this morning that I just thought, man, this is it for us, okay? I want you to write this down and think about this a lot with me, is that justice is a biblical word, not a political one. Justice is a biblical word, not a political one. And my stance today is let's take that word back. Let's take it back. This is our word. This is God's word. And so for all of a sudden, we hear justice and we try to seek injustice and that becomes politicized. They've stolen Jesus's word. That's our word. That's not their word. That's God's word. That's not their word. When we think justice, we should think Jesus, not politics. This is exactly what we are called to be, City Light, a people who pursue justice because that's exactly what Jesus calls us to do. Justice is a Jesus word. And we're Jesus people. That's our first core value. We're all about Jesus. Whatever Jesus is, we want to be. And we love him and we follow him. So I just want to say today, number one, that we acknowledge the pain of our African-American brothers and sisters. And we recognize that they face injustices on a daily basis. That what happened in Minneapolis is terrible and it's wrong and we condemn that. And that happens throughout the world, especially throughout America in many ways, often. And we just wanna stand here and say that is injustice and as God's people, we seek justice. 
And we will do whatever we can to not only resonate with and sympathize with, but to join forces with to seek God's kingdom here on earth where every life is valued and treated properly. I wanna add as well, especially in light of our context, that we recognize how difficult it is to be Latino here in America. That your position in America is politicized as well. That the way sometimes people see our Latino brothers and sisters and deal with them is an injustice. And the irony is that many came here fleeing injustice only to find more injustice. And it's like, come on, God says, hey, city light, in the midst of all of that, I'm asking you to be a light in the darkness. I'm asking you to come and gather, you know, when we can online right now, but I'm asking you to sing and I'm asking you to give and I'm asking you to take the Lord's Supper and I'm asking you to say hey to each other. I'm asking you to baptize. I'm asking you to do all that. I'm also asking you to go into the world and seek justice, mercy, faithfulness, to defend the marginalized and the poor and the ones that are mistreated around us. This is why God brought us here. And I will not, I wish y'all were in the room with me right now. I'd be high-fiving y'all or something, I don't know. But I, we will not, I'm telling you, we will not let the word justice be stolen. This is a Bible word. This is a Jesus cause. And we are Jesus people. And the, the two examples I gave you are obviously not everything, right? There's cultural, systemic, racist issues across all sorts of varieties of settings and people groups. These are just two examples that are going on and are very prevalent right now. And so what God says when he says, hey, I want you to be a light, what do we say all the time? Light is made for dark places. The reason why we say that a lot is so that we get comfortable with the fact that God has equipped us, made us, created us, given us the Holy Spirit, not to live a comfortable life in light, but to go into the dark and be the light in there. To go into the place where situations are messy, to go into the place where we don't know all the answers. Because I wanna tell you from my heart, right? We don't have all the answers, we don't know how to do all this well, and we understand things can be very complex, but we don't wanna let that keep us from action. At the most basic level, we wanna treat everybody as they're made in the image of God. We wanna seek out justice when injustice is made to the greatest extent. We wanna treat others the way that we want to be treated. We wanna love our neighbor as ourself. It's gonna be messy, y'all. It's gonna be complicated. It's gonna be hard at times, but we can either ignore the weightier matters of the law to live an easier life, or we can bear the burdens of our brothers and sisters and join with them and ask Jesus to carry the heavy load. This is what Jesus is calling you to do, is to make your life heavier, to join in on the weightier things so that when you do so, he'll swoop right in and hold that up with you. Why would you ever need to experience the strength of God if you never chose to go into a weak place? Why would we ever need light if there was never darkness? These are whole things that God has intended for us. So let me encourage you that one sermon is obviously gonna do not very much. These conversations need to continue. Sermons alone, as we say, man shall not live by sermons alone. They're not gonna get us very far. But if we continue this conversation, it will. And so we're gonna try to plan some times to equip one another. We'll continue to work at City Light for the marginalized and the mistreated around us. We wanna equip all of us to handle this the best way that we can. Remember, 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 a meaningful relationship with Jesus is not just a personal experience of him, but a partnership with him and that we are commanded to care about things at the level at which he cares about them.
And so let's be exactly what God calls us to be, City Light. Let's be what we came here to be. And let's step into the dark and hard places to be the light of the world. And God promises to be with us. So let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we love you and we trust you. And we ask that you would work in and through our church. God, we pray. We pray for everyone listening today that is wearing the mask of good enough that you would help them take that off, Lord, to take in the good grace of Jesus, that people listening to this message would stop trying and start turning to you to be saved. And we pray, Lord, we pray that we would live out, God, please, a real relationship with you, not just in word but in deed, that we would be a place that you are honored, that we would be a place where that seeks justice, that we would be a place that defends the marginalized, that we would go after your heart for the community around us. God, we pray for what's happening in Minneapolis, for George Floyd's family, for all that he's not. There's so many, Lord. We just pray for comfort. We pray for mercy. We pray for hope. We pray for justice. And we just pray, Lord, that as we join you in this, God, that you would work mightily in and through this church to be a part of bringing about your kingdom on earth, not just on Sundays, but every day of the week. We commit our church to you, as always. We commit our lives to you, God. We surrender everything to you to be used by you. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.